Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. I, as always, am your host, Simon. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, where is the Amber Room? That's the topic of today's video, written by Katie, read by me. This is all new to me. I mean... I say it's all new to me. The concept of this show is Katie will write me a script. I have not read it before. We are going to explore it together. But of course, I've heard of The Amber Room mostly because I was a big fan. There was a show called White Collar where uh, it was about this guy who was like a con man and he was in prison and he gets out of prison because he agrees to help the FBI. This feels like the plot of many movies, but it's a really good TV show. And one of the seasons they were like, were they hunting for the Amber Room or am I imagining that? There was also a season where they hunted like a Nazi sub full of treasures and stuff. It's a great show. And I feel like the Amber Room, the reason I know about it is because of that show. It might've been another show now that I think about it, but it doesn't matter. Let's just jump into it, shall we? Thank you, Katie, for writing it. Thank you to me for reading it. You're welcome. And uh, Jen afterwards, uh, she adds in the sounds and the uh, well, the images and the videos if you're watching this in its video form. Thank you, everybody. Let's go. Rooms have a tendency to stay where you put them. Even if you change around the layout of the building, the location of the rooms is still going to be inside the main walls. So, how is it possible for a room to just go missing, and not just any old room? A room loaded with amber, jewels, and gold leaf. Well, I think the reason it goes missing is because those are really valuable items that people want to go missing into their pockets. A ton of mysteries have resulted from the Second World War, but one of the most enduring is what happened to the Amber Room. Until recently, I'd never heard of this and was perplexed as to how a room could go missing, so I thought it must be referring to something else. But no, it was an actual room, and it got moved around more than once in its lifetime, which is kind of weird when you think about it. This episode contains Nazis, there goes my monetization, uh, conspiracies, and a possible giant oopsie. Let's go. History of the Mystery Way back in 1701, the German sculptor and architect Andreas Schluter decided to really push the boat out and designed a set of enormous panels made of amber to decorate the walls of one of the rooms in Berlin's Charlottenburg Palace. For some reason, I thought the amber room was Russian. But I guess I must be misremembering. I don't remember. The area was a part of Prussia at the time. Oh, maybe that's what I'm... Uh, that, that, there we go. And under the rule of King Frederick I. As we know from Jurassic Park, amber is fossilized tree sap or resin that holds the key to bringing the dinosaurs back. Yeah, which I was always like, this is such a cool concept in Jurassic Park. And it's like, well, why don't we do that in real life? The science is there! And it's like, yeah, because um, DNA degrades way sooner than, than like the, how long ago the dinosaurs were, so it wouldn't work. But what a great concept for a movie. I mean, for a Michael Crichton book, but just so good. It's also been used in folk medicine and jewelry making since forever and has always been highly regarded as a decorative substance. While there were large deposits of amber in the Baltic region, it's never been used to make giant panels before or used for such large-scale projects at all. It took amber craftsmen Gottfried Wolfram and later on two further so-called amber masters 
several years to fully construct the panels. During this process, they had to create a new way of working with the amber, which eventually involved heating it before treating it with a honey and linseed infusion. Mmm, sounds relaxing. Agreed! The amber was then poured over wooden panels that were covered in gold leaf so it glowed with a golden light when the room was lit with candles. This is pretty cool. I mean, I've seen pictures of that uh, amber room. It looks great. I wouldn't want it in my house, but it's really cool. Amber in over 350 different shades was also cut into intricate patterns and mosaics to further display the craftsmanship of the Amber Masters. Mirrored panels, decorative precious jewels, and the usual design gubbins like golden cherubs and twiddly swirly bits added to the spectacle and value of the room, leading it to be known as the eighth wonder of the world. Yes, lots of other things have been given this title, but it's still a pretty big feather in its cap. It took about 10 years to complete the panels, and then perhaps foreshadowing the uncertainty of the room's location in the future, it wasn't installed in Charlottenburg Palace as originally intended. It was set up instead inside the Berlin Palace, previously known as the Royal Palace. After Frederick's death, his son Frederick William, or Friedrich Wilhelm, took over as the King of Prussia, and in 1716 had the Russian Tsar Peter the Great over for tea and cakes. Wait, is he going to gift him the amber room? Is this how it's going to end up in Russia? It could be. Wow, this amber room is great. Just like me. <laughs> I will stop doing Russian accents. He probably also didn't speak like that because obviously it was 300 years ago. I get it. His name was Peter the Great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got it. Instead of a normal response, like, thanks, it sure is, or yeah, you can come over whenever you want. Friedrich Wilhelm was like, hey, do you want it? I mean, it's a room, so normally rooms stay where they are, but I can totally hook you up with it if you really want, you know, for strengthening alliance reasons and maybe getting some soldiers and some other stuff. Mm, yes, come on now. <laughs> and then Peter said, seriously? Nah, bro, it's too much. It must be worth millions of whatever the local currency is, or about a hundred million dollars to make it easy for people from the future who may be looking back at this conversation. Besides, it's way too hard to move a room, my dude. Nah, mate, Frederick Willem said. Take it. It's yours. These are panels, see? Easy at the box up and shipped over to you in no time. It's not like I have to do any of the physical labor myself. <laughs> I have peasants for such nonsense. Then he clapped his hands twice to summon his servants slash peasants, and the whole room was dismantled, put into large box, and moved near the city Peter the Great had just founded, which it called, guess what? Humbleville. No, 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 just kidding. It was, of course, St. Petersburg. <laughs> Once there, the Amber Room was taken to the Catherine Palace, a summer residence of the Psalm. As it turned out, though, Peter the Great went off the panels after they arrived, thinking they were a bit gaudy. As he never actually did anything with them. He's like, oh no, I really didn't want it. I was just trying to tell my mate it's got a nice room and he ended up giving it to me. Now I've got to display it every time he comes out, comes around, and it's a hassle because it's a room. Fortunately, I also have peasants. <laughs> His daughter eventually got her hands on it, and it wasn't until 1740 that she had them installed in a new room in the palace so the setting sun would hit the amber and make it look as amazing as possible. The panels weren't big enough to cover this much larger room, so they were actually expanded upon, eventually covering an area of 55 square meters, that's 590 square feet, and containing over six tons, that's 13,000 pounds of that sweet, sweet amber. The rest of the room was filled with more mirrors, extra tiles, paintings, and 
a fancy floor and ceiling. While no exact monetary value can be put on the newly upgraded Amber Room, estimates have given, been given ranging from $140 million to $500 million. That is an expensive room. In 2007, the Smithsonian said that the room was worth the modern-day equivalent of $142 million when it was in situ at Catherine Palace. Even adjusting for inflation from 2007 dollars, that zooms up to 190 million buckaroonies in 2021 money. Oh no, inflation. It's so high now. So anyway, the Amber Room was now a feature of Catherine Palace, and there it stayed, as rooms are supposed to do, being admired and revered all the way from 1740 into the 20th century. 1941, in fact. Why does that date sound kind of familiar? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps a major war was going on? Oh, that's right. It was in the middle of the Second World War when Hitler launched Operation Barbarossa. Recently made a video about that to invade the Soviet Union as it was then. The Soviets thought it prudent to hide all the treasures that they could to stop them being destroyed or stolen by the Nazis. Smart, because if there's one thing we know about the Nazis, they love genocide and theft. You know, more concerningly genocide, but also theft. The Amber Room definitely counted as a treasure, possibly the most valuable treasure around, but it was kind of hard to work out what to do with it. As it was a couple of centuries old by this point, it was getting just a bit fragile. Anatoly Kukumov, an art curator, was tasked with saving the Amber Room, but as the German army approached, all attempts to remove the panels resulted in bits just breaking off. In a panicked dither, which I can definitely relate to, Kukumov and his team ended up leaving the panels where they were and just trying to disguise them on bits of wallpaper and constructed thin cotton hangings. Unsurprisingly, this failed to disguise the Amber Room, Amber Room adequately. When the Germans made it to the palace, they seemed to have no such trouble with the panels and promptly removed them, boxed them up, and sent them back to what was then called Konersberg, which was controlled by Germany. The Germans saw this as a total win, a repatriation of the room to its original home, and it was eventually put back up again, this time inside the Konigsberg Castle Museum, where members of the public could go and gawp at it in all its glory for the next couple of years. I love that the, 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 the Nazis are like, yeah, 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 repatriation. And in their twisted logic, I'm sure they thought that that was okay. But it would be like you giving someone a nice gift and then going around to the house a year later and being like, yo, yo, yo. You know that uh, that gift? I'm uh, taking it back. I'm uh, repatriating that shit. Eventually, in 1944, due to the tide now turning in the Allies' favor, Hitler ordered the panels to be taken down once more, and they were again put into crates and taken to the basement cellar for safekeeping. And that's really the last time anyone knew for sure where the Amber Room was. The castle was bombed later in 1944, and Konersberg became part of the Soviet Union in 1946 and was renamed Kaliningrad. Since then, a few tantalizing clues have cropped up over the fate of the Amber Room, but at the time of writing, its overall whereabouts still are unknown. Oh! I kind of totally thought that we'd rediscovered this at some point. Shit, I guess it does make sense, this being on the Decoding the Unknown channel and all that, that it does remain a mystery. But mate, I guess I just watched too much White Collar. I really thought we'd found this Amber Room shit. God damn it! Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. What do HelloFresh do? Well, you know them. I've talked about them before. They deliver fresh, high-quality produce from the farm to your door in less than a week. So you can savor those delicious summer flavors right for your home. Yeah, summer's here. The food, the menus are different. The items in the stores are different. And that means... Well, of course, you don't have to go to the store with HelloFresh, but you get that same variation, which is lovely. HelloFresh now has 30 dinner recipes to choose from every single week, and that's the most choice of any meal kit out there, which is nice, you know. I'm not a particularly picky eater, but I do like variation, and I do like to be able to eat what I want to eat, and you could do that with HelloFresh, can't you? Also, 
Fun fact, it's 72% cheaper than dining out at a restaurant, and it's even cheaper than grocery shopping. Which is, uh, that's money in your pocket, isn't it? And that's source to name, a Zagat Dining Survey. There you go. You're welcome. Good facts. Why hate? about preparing food is not actually preparing food. I quite like, you know, getting all the little things and putting them in the da 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 cooking it up, blah, blah, blah. What I hate is going to get all the little things. You know, going to the store, it's just a nightmare. There's, I don't know, you just go there and say, like, oh, why do you have any bloody cream cheese? I just need a cream cheese. And then you have to go to like the corner stores to buy the cream cheese. You're like, no, 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 with HelloFresh, everything arrives. It's all like packaged up and just ready to go. It's just easier. So you could do the fun part, the cooking part. And even if you don't really like the cooking part, it's all made very easy. You get all the benefits without any of the drawbacks. Go to HelloFresh.com decoding16 and use the code decoding16 for up to 16 free meals and three gifts. Again, go to HelloFresh.com decoding16 and use code decoding16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Excellent stuff, a HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And now back to today's episode. Decoding the unknown. Because of its historical and monetary value, there have been many parties interested in finding out what happened to the Amber Room. There are several theories as to its possible location, but I'll leave the most obvious one for the end. So let's track down those other winding roads and let's see where they lead us. And to find out the most obvious one, you need to keep watching it. Give me that sweet retention time. Yes, theory one, it's in a bunker in Poland. We know that the Nazis loved a bit of looting. Loot, 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 loot. They looted all over the show. When the Allies came a-calling towards the end of the war, a lot of Nazis ill-gotten gains were hidden away and spirited to secret bunkers, mines, and even caves, and many are probably still undiscovered to this day. Wasn't there recently discovered like a giant cave that was full of cars? Like Nazis had stolen a bunch of cars and put them in this cave and then forgotten about them. Or like, I mean, they were probably killed. Good. Or they couldn't go back and get them because they were a Nazi in hiding. <laughs> and it was just full of cars. And obviously, like, I guess at the time they were super valuable, but nowadays they're just all kind of like shitty old cars that no one wants and they're all in really bad condition. <laughs> Bummer. There are eyewitnesses stating that they saw large boxes containing the amber panel standing outside the castle, ready for transport in 1944. As recently as 2016, a Polish historian and museum curator called Bartholomew Plebansk, sorry Polish people, thought he had finally found the resting place of the priceless panels. Locals near the town of Murki in Poland had reported seeing trucks unloading large boxes around the end of the war in 1945, and Plebansk headed over there in 2016 which was apparently when he found this information out. Scanning a known former German bunker with ground-penetrating radar, he found a tunnel or possibly another hidden bunker under the grounds, and after digging for a little bit, he and his team found a metal hatch. Oh my god, this is so cool. Like, is this a, is he an archaeologist? He's not an archaeologist. What was he, like a historian and museum curator? Whatever his job, that is, that is such a cool job. Where you're, like, discovering, like, it feels like Lost. You know on Lost, that TV show? from like 10, 12, 15 years ago now? Well, I don't know. Uh, and they found that, like, they're on that island and they find that metal hatch. And for, like, the whole season, you're like, oh my god, what is in the hatch? This is gonna be crazy. Oh my god. I feel like discovering, like, searching with ground-penetrating radar for a hidden Nazi bunker and then digging down and finding a metal hatch. 
I can think of literally nothing quite as exciting as that. They were confident that it hadn't been opened since the war, as there was a tree growing over it. When they finally opened the hatch, there really wasn't anything inside, but further excavations have confirmed that there's a whole network of underground tunnels down there. The bunker is also only 13 or so miles away from Wolf's Lair, Hitler's old military HQ. Maybe this whole bunker was a secret escape route to or from HQ, or just some kind of nearby storage facility, so it's very possible that there might also be quite a lot of loot hidden down there. So far, five entrances have been found in this underground network, but a lot more of excav excavation still needs to be done as a lot of the passageways have been filled in. This is so cool. Plavansky is apparently still waiting on official approval to get going, and while I found references to this project with 2021 dates, most of the action appears to have happened in 2016, so I'm not sure if much progress has been made. If it is still going, watch this space, although maybe not too avidly, as there have been many other bunkers, caves, swamps, mine shafts, and holes near Germany that have been touted as the resting place for the Amber Room over the years, with similar supposed eyewitness accounts, etc. And there are also some completely different locations for the Amber Room to be. Namely, theory number two is at the bottom of the sea. Oh no, that's hard to get to, isn't it? And also, the sea's really big. Really big to search that for a little pieces of a room. Or is this the one? Maybe, 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 unless I'm imagining it. Was the Nazi sub white collar series the same one as the Amber Room series? And was the Amber Room on the Nazi sub that was sunk to the bottom of the sea? Maybe. And I think they got all the loot out of the, Na the Nazi sub. I need to rewatch that TV show. It's so good. I'd prefer that we continue. We again have eyewitness accounts that the Amber Room was boxed up and put aboard a German ship of some sort. Here's where we know at least one person is completely wrong, as there have been at least two ships named in the stories and mentions of submarines also pop up here and there. There we go. To be honest, I'm starting to doubt the veracity of these eyewitness claims. Maybe I should just say rumor has it. The first boat mentioned was a transport ship called the Wilhelm Gustloff, originally built as a cruise ship. It was turned into a military transport ship for the war efforts, and on the 30th of January 1945, it was sunk by Soviet submarine torpedoes. This is when it was carrying out evacuations under the large-scale sea operation Hannibal, and it's been estimated that over 10,000 people were on board, along with a lot of cargo. Holy shit, that's a lot of people on a ship. Over 9,000 people died in the sinking of the Wilhelm Gustloff, making it the biggest maritime disaster of all. It was rumored that the amber room panels had also been, a, but many dives had been taken to the wreckage site, and nothing like that has ever been found. Well, I think it's fair to say that they're not there. Also, 9,000 bodies. 9,000 people down there. That's insane. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Another boat that was named as a possible transporter of the panels was the Karlsruhe, a German steamer which was being used in Operation Hannibal for the evacuation of German personnel from East Prussia. It left from Konigsberg, the last confirmed location of the Amber Room, and was accompanied by two minesweeper ships, perhaps indicating that there was something of great value on board. We know that the Karlsruhe was packed with cargo, including military vehicles and other artwork, weighing over 360 tons 
in total. The ship was hit by Soviet missiles from the air and sank somewhere off the coast of Poland to lie undisturbed on the bottom of the Baltic for the next several decades. The wreck wasn't even rediscovered until 2020, ooh, recently. And because of all the storage containers that had survived intact, hopes were high that the Amber Room might be found amongst them. An initial survey carried out by the Baltic Tech Diving Group confirmed the presence of some non-military crates, and locked storage boxes and cameras also showed the holds to be largely intact. Unfortunately, though, in September of 2021, divers confirmed that while they had found military equipment and lots of personal possessions, the Amber Room panels were definitely not on the Karlsruhe. So what else might have happened to it? Theory number three, it was destroyed. There was a lot of bombing, there was a lot of destruction, there was a lot of stuff that just, you know, I wonder, well, it disappeared and then we don't know where it is. But there's a lot of stuff that was destroyed. It was a big war. You heard of it. Let's get our Occam's razor out here and do a bit of slicing. We know that the Amber Room was on display at Konigsberg Castle until 1944. We also know that Konigsberg Castle was bombed in 1944 and caught fire. Uh oh. I mean, come on. Come on, come on. We know it. It was later completely demolished in 1968. The question is, were the Amber Room panels removed, stored, and in time to escape the bombing? While we have eyewitnesses, yes, again, saying that they saw crates being loaded and carted off to wherever, there are many different versions of the story mentioning many different modes of transport, and there were probably also many other precious things being moved out of the city at that time. Yeah, totally. So, some eyewitnesses maybe saw some large boxes leaving a place where the Amber Room was last seen. This is no sort of confirmation that it actually left. Eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable, and they just saw large boxes. That's it. Large boxes could be filled with anything. The Soviet sent Professor Alexander Brusov into Konigsberg to try and recover the big-ticket loot. He, however, quickly came to the conclusion that as a consequence of the Soviet bombing, the castle and the fires it caused, the Amber Room had, in fact, been almost totally destroyed. Checking out the burnt-out cellar of the castle, Brusov apparently found the remains of three out of four stone mosaics known to be from the room, along with hinges and other metal bits and bobs. Does this mean that the amp panels themselves were indeed smuggled out? Probably not. At high temperatures, yeah, we were talking about how they melted the amber earlier to, to make these panels. It could it could burn, right? So at high temperatures, amber doesn't really melt, but actually decomposes and disintegrates, so it's possible that it wouldn't leave much of an obvious trace in a cellar that was full of other ashes and rubble. Yeah, totally. Wait, but I thought they melted the amber to make these large panels. Well, they said they, they did something with it. Maybe it wasn't quite melting. I know there was a crap ton of amber in the panels, but apparently this has been the accepted consensus for several different parties looking into the mystery. Brusov only found three out of the four mosaics. One had been stolen at some point during the room's many removals by a German soldier. And Itten's cabinet, also confirmed as being part of the room, were eventually repatriated to Russia in the year 2000. While the appearance of these pieces has convinced some that the amber room still exists somewhere, no, I don't know why it would convince you of that. They were just nicked before it was destroyed. It seems more likely to me that they are the only remaining pieces as they were stolen before the castle was destroyed. Exactly. Now, do you remember Anatoly Kuchemov? Uh, yeah, I remember his difficult name. He of the panicked and dithering and crappy wallpaper hanging? Yes. Maybe because it was his fault that the Germans had found his room in the first place, he stuck to his guns that it was still around somewhere. That's pretty smart. And his kind of, I mean, his <laughs> like for him to survive and not be sent to a gulag or some such. He refused to accept Rusov's conclusions and launched his own investigation with the help of the KGB. Searches were carried out all around the city, but as we know, nothing was found. Kuchemov ended up leading a commission to search for the Amber Room between 1967 and 1984. However, it seems likely that he was just desperately trying to keep himself out of prison 
or worse. While there was still hope that the Amaru might have been secreted away down a mine shaft or in a cave somewhere, he could keep the blame off himself, having let it fall into enemy hands in the first place. Apparently, other people tasked with protecting Soviet treasures had been sent to the gulags for failing, so it's hardly surprising that he wanted to drag out the possibility of finding it again as long as he possibly could. Yeah, like I said, you don't want to go to the gulag. It's like, you were tasked with defending this. It's like, I defended it great. Someone nicked it. <laughs> Obviously, uh, it's not as great. <laughs> I don't want to go to the gulag. Don't you do it! It seemed that those in power weren't really convinced, though, and maybe that was because they were embarrassed that they'd accidentally destroyed their own priceless historical artwork. Brezhnev had the castle demolished in 1968, preventing any further searches for any potential traces to be carried out. A book published in 2004, The Amber Room, The Fate of the World's Greatest Lost Treasure, by investigative journalists Catherine Scott Clark and Adrian Levy, also concluded that Brusov was probably right and the KGB had covered up the oopsie by publicly carrying out extensive searches for the Lost Room as a front, even though they knew there was nothing left to find. If you're thinking, hang on a minute, I'm sure there's an Amber Room in Russia right now, will you be right? Okay. Is that, that must be, this was, must be what I'm imagining, because I feel like it does exist. Thanks to black and white photos, one colored picture, and a big donation from a German energy company, a new Amber Room was commissioned in 1979. Because of the lack of Amber Masters around, this one took a quarter of a century to be finished and installed back in the Catherine Palace. But it's now there, in all its glowing glory. This is amazing. This seems to indicate that the Russians have given it up for lost after all, as why would you bother going to all that time and expense to recreate something that could still be in an underground bunker somewhere? Well, maybe just because they think they're never going to be able to find it. They might be like, yeah, it still exists, but it's lost forever. It's at the bottom of the sea. It's in that Polish bunker. It's not coming back. Of course, the probable theory that it was destroyed hasn't stopped people carrying on the search for lost panels. Yes, there's a History Channel show about it, but it's only one episode of a show called Expedition Unknown, which seems a bit more history-based than the other things that have come up on that channel, so let's give that one a pass. Wow, History Channel, I'm surprised you didn't spin this out into like 17 seasons of searching for the Amber Room and never really finding it, but having like pseudo-scientists and uh, people with big hair talking about it for ages. You might not want to look too hard for the original Amber Room, though, as there have been a couple of nasty incidents over the years. German farmer George Stein was one of the biggest Amber Room fanatics around, until he was found dead, that is. Perhaps getting too close to the whereabouts of the Amber Room, a shadowy cabal lured him into the middle of a forest in the night and killed him in a weird ritual. What the fuck? Does this sound far-fetched? Sure, but George Stein really was obsessed with tracking down the Amber Room and had discovered other looted treasure that was subsequently given back to the Soviet Union. He was even the first Western European to be awarded with the Order of Vladimir from the Russian Orthodox Church for his troubles, so he really seemed to know what he was doing. Some sources say he died by suicide after incurring huge debts due to his treasure-hunting bug, but he was found naked in the middle of a forest a couple of hundred miles from his home with his stomach flayed open by a scalpel. Holy shit. Seems an unnecessary way to go if you have any say over it yourself. And what about General Yuri Gusev? He was the deputy head of the GRU, Russia's Foreign Military Intelligence Unit, up until 1992, when he was apparently outed as a source for a foreign journalist investigating the Amber Room. He then died in a mysterious car accident with, with a news site, Svobodnaya Pressa, writing that his colleagues were sure it was murder. It said, spies of that rank are well protected. As a rule, they don't die by chance. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what was, there's that famous story. There was a body found inside a suitcase in a random London flat. And there were, there was like various SIM cards sprinkled around the rooms. And then it turns out that he was like a consultant for MI6 or something, or MI5 or something like that. 
And they were like, no, 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 he's just a consultant. He definitely wasn't doing any spying, and this just seems to be a, an ordinary murder. <laughs> and it's like, everyone knows this is a lie. <laughs> it's like, no, he consulted for MI5 on um, our... He was fixing the toaster in the break room. And it's like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> he definitely wasn't. This guy was a f***ing spy. <laughs> Allegedly. You're lying. And there's one more mysterious disappearance involving the Amber Room. Alfred Rode was the museum director who got the Amber Room set up in Konigsberg Castle. He was apparently obsessed with it and would stare at the Amber for hours like a bit of a weirdo. He definitely did have the panels all packed by March of 1944, but he never really gave any indication of what happened to them after that. Was he saving them from the Soviets, believing as many did that they rightfully belonged in their Prussian home? Or did he just have nothing to give, as they'd all been destroyed? Broad's son had seen him in January 1944, and his dad told him that the Amber Room had been moved to a safe place. Rode wrote a letter to his superior in September 1944, saying that the majority of the room had survived. So what are we to make of this? Was he just covering for himself? When he told his son the room was in a safe place, he may have meant the castle cellars, as we're pretty sure it was still there a couple of months later in 1944. Rode was questioned by the KGB, but gave a couple of different versions as to where he stored the panels. Was he just messing with them or trying to throw them off the scent? <laughs> I was interviewed by the KGB. <laughs> the last thing I'd do was mess with them and feed them wrong information. I'd be like, I'll tell you whatever you want. You're the KGB. I don't want to go to the gulag. When he was next due for questioning, he and his wife conveniently died the night before of the typhus epidemic that was sweeping the area. When the KGB went to look for the bodies, they disappeared. There was also no trace of the doctor who had signed their official death certificates. Doesn't that seem a little fishy? Hell yes, it does. So, in conclusion, as with most of these missing things mysteries, it would be amazing if the original amber panels did show up one day. I don't want to say 100% that it was destroyed and just burned away to a crisp, but that's probably just wishful thinking and me being a bit naive. Yeah, I think they, it was destroyed. I really do think it was destroyed. Now that the last known amber room site has handily been demolished, no definitive explorations can be carried out anymore, leaving treasure hunters and mystery buffs with just the tiniest hope that maybe just maybe the amber room is still out there somewhere waiting to dazzle the world again yeah but it's probably not this has been an episode of the <laughs> simon you're ruining all the fun this has been an episode of decoding the unknown thank you so much for listening or watching if you're watching on youtube hello uh please like subscribe and if you're listening to the show as a podcast please do leave it a review the reviews do make a difference they get it in front of new people which is fantastico and i'll see you next time Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.